This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 474. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by our producer and master of all things podcast related, except for a few things, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much everything, man. No, it's cool, hey, man. Matthew, Ma- Matthew Marister, in case yeah. you didn't recognize the voice. I told you, you guys got a double dose, unfortunately, of me, so... I know you're probably looking for Riley or for Jacob or some high profile guest, but you got me, man. Double trouble. <laughs> all in one day. So, um, guys, today's episode is going to be a great one. Today's topic is required shooting skills for concealed carriers. All right. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this because Matthew and I were hashing this out a little bit before we began recording or before we started even the live broadcast. And uh, uh, we have different perspectives. That is for sure. Of course, the the topic that we're really addressing today can be fairly broad if we, you know, so choose. There's a lot of different ways we can come at it. Um, And it would be even more broad if we said something like required skills for concealed carriers and not required shooting skills for concealed carriers. And maybe we'll talk or tackle some other skills in a future episode, you know, of a similar theme, if you will, but just uh, less specific to the technical shooting part of the equation. But today's episode, before we uh, get too deep into it, you should know, is sponsored by Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com is the place to learn more. And what do you get with Guardian Nation? Well, first of all, the thing I'm most excited about is that you get access to a vast library of information and content in our members-only content library, Uh, which, by the way, is going through some good and exciting changes, and there'll be some more really great stuff coming in the relatively new future. So just know about that. All right. Um, that's a big piece, right? So everybody, you know, is what I take Matthew from like talking to and, and, and getting to know our guardian nation members is they care about being responsible concealed carriers. They care about, you know, the, this huge power that they have. And as far as carrying a gun on their hip and they want to know that they have what it takes to use it in a manner that's responsible, that's legal, that's appropriate for the conditions they might find themselves in. Um, The shooting aspect is a huge piece, but it's still just a piece of a much bigger pie. And we know that the technical shooting skills in a chaotic, high stress, defensive, you know, encounter, uh, you need to be able to perform you know, instantly on demand and under pressure, right? With little preparation, you know, moments up to that. So, so, you know, what I gather from our members, Matthew, is they really care about being as good as they can be um, in, in a variety of aspects. But guys, you know, the, the access to our members only content, our video library, for instance, hugely valuable to take from that information 
uh, knowledge, training, education to make yourself better. Secondly, access to our monthly Guardian Nation live broadcasts. And in fact, I can tease and tell you right now that next week on Tuesday, January 26th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, we're going to have our next GN live broadcast with special guest and former uh, he's retired U.S. Army Special Forces uh, soldier as well as retired Chicago uh, Police Department SWAT team, uh, Matt Little. All right. Uh, he was on the podcast with me a few weeks back. Great guy with an awesome perspective. Uh, and he's and also he's a he's a master class USPSA and IDPA shooter. Go, working very hard and diligently to becoming, you know, getting that elite level of grandmaster. I'm also working towards that myself. Anyway, Matt's going to be an awesome guest, and that's who we got lined up for next Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. You're going to want to be a Guardian Nation member to be able to participate in and view that live and ask questions during that broadcast. Or if you can't make it live, well, then guess what? You have access to this massive library of Guardian Nation live events in the past with all kinds of awesome, awesome guests. I just mentioned two things, Matthew, and guess what? There's a ton of other benefits, uh, including discounts and also discounts off of the next thing I was going to mention as a sponsor episode today. Uh, you, you'll say big on, th- on things like training, including our upcoming first annual Guardian Conference later this year in September in Oklahoma City. We've already got a bunch of you signed up, which is awesome. And more and more of you are looking at it and considering it and getting ready to sign up. I know you are. And Guardian Nation members save like right now, especially off early bird pricing, like 300 bucks. That's significant. All right. So, guys, consider becoming a Guardian Nation member today. If you want to take a little trial run at it for 14 days, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14 day. And that's one four D-A-Y. Okay, concealedcarry.com forward slash 14day will get you a 14-day free trial. You can check out Guardian Nation and see what it's all about. And again, I mentioned our Guardian Conference coming up in September of this year, our first annual event. This is something we plan on doing annually going forward. Uh, We anticipate it'll be a huge success. Everything's coming together and looking awesome. Uh, guys, it, it is in Oklahoma City. It's actually the northeast uh, side of Oklahoma City. Uh, September, was it 16, 17, 18, I think is the date or thereabouts. Uh, and you're going to have the opportunity for, to train over a course of three days for instructors like Larry Vickers, Matt Little, Spencer Keepers, Brian Eastridge, uh, Chuck Haggard, uh, Haney McMood. Myself, Matthew will be there. You know, there's going to be a bunch of awesome stuff going on. Great courses. There's more instructors. I, I don't have time to mention everybody. Uh, and there may even still be one, you know, a few more that we add to the list. You guys are going to want to make sure you're there for this special event. Three days of awesome training. All kinds of training from medical to legal to shooting. All right. Go to guardianconference.com to learn more and get signed up today. Take advantage of our early bird pricing that's available right now. Ghost Tactical on YouTube says he'll be there. Dude, we'd love to have you. Nice. Be awesome. All right. So, Matthew, let's get into our uh, our topic today. 
Uh, oh, Matthew just dropped out. <laughs> we lost him. Let me introduce to you. Uh, he'll be right back, I'm sure. Unless we had a catastrophic failure on the internet on his end. Today's topic is, again, required shooting skills for concealed carriers. This is something that, if I'm being honest and transparent, my buddy uh, Sam Middlebrook at Red Hawk Firearms Training, he actually asked about this in a text message the other day. And we had a little bit of a conversation going back and forth. And I sent him some ideas. And I actually have some more ideas for him as well. And, and that kind of, you know, it's like, you know, this would be a great topic for the podcast too. So, so here we are, we're, we're talking about, I hit up Matthew, said, bro, like put together some thoughts <laughs> on what you think required shooting skills would be for, for your typical concealed carry person. Like what, what do we really need skill wise as it relates to the shooting of a gun, right? That's the, that's like the paramount event, not the thing that we hope for or that we are working towards as far as like a, a that's no, that's not anybody's goal. My goal is to avoid ever having to be in a deadly force encounter. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's that kind of the old adage of, you know, hope for the best plan for the worst. Right. Mm -hmm. So I hope that never happens, but I also recognize in today's world, crap happens to good people, sometimes in decent places, meaning, you know, we, we Matthew, you know, we've covered uh, justified save stories for years now. And some of those happen in neighborhoods you'd never imagine or situations you'd never imagine those would happen, in. you know, including home break-ins uh, and, and stuff, random stuff that happens on the street. Random stuff that happens in the car, you know, road rage incidents. Uh, hopefully, none, you know, none of our people are instigators in kind of situation. But something, sometimes, something can't be avoided, and that's the that's the idea. For the things that I cannot avoid, and that I can't find a, another way out of, that I can't de-escalate using verbal judo and my other communication skills and so forth. It comes down to that moment that I've got to put hand on gun, put on, put it on target, and put rounds on that target. What do I need to be able to do skill-wise to achieve that, Matthew? I'd like to hear your first thoughts. Yeah, so let me let me preface preface this. So when when you gave me the the uh, task to come up with some ideas, of course, my mind is going. Riley's going to have this pretty much laid out right like all these skills these pistols shooting skills i, I don't want to say the the fundamentals because we get like kind of into the uh the doctrine of uh of shooting right but um i i my mind kind of like graduate gradually expanded outside of like the technical skills i guess um but you know right before we, we came on um, you kind of, you know, said, Hey, this is the focus that I'd like to focus on. And I still have some other ideas, but like overall to answer your question, I guess it would be correct to say, um, we need at the very basic level, right? Uh, if we're going to use the firearm to defend ourselves, not in every situation, are we going to need these skills, but in a vast majority of situations, we're going to need to be able to get the gun on target, um, quickly and put successive rounds on the target um, accurately. And, and we can determine what ac how accurate it needs to be, right? Um, there's obviously, we talk about uh, 
you know, self-defense shooting is a balance of speed and precision. So when we're, I think when we go through these skills, um, we're trying to focus on basically what are the skills that I need to be able to, um, in the majority of self-defense contexts, what or context, what is, uh, what are the skills I necessary baseline skills, and how do we uh, quantify those? It's easy to kind of say. Uh, yeah, be able to draw the gun really, really quickly. Okay. Well, what are the timeframes and how do we practice those? Or, um, okay, you're saying I need multiple, be able to get multiple shots on target. How do I quantify what, you know, how many shots and how long should it take and in these types of things? So, um, hopefully when we go through these, these different skills, um, we can look at the different, uh, fundamental skills. And I don't want to use the, the term fundamentals, but these are fundamental skills that you, you would need and how to go about practicing those skills in, in some sort of benchmark where you can, can compare yourself to, to others. And, um, and, and let me also just say, um, you know, as, I think there's a, a, a vast uh, or a super legitimate purpose to having uh, benchmarks, right? Um, but let's not get into the idea um, that if we establish or if we reach a certain number, right, that somehow I'm going to um, win every gunfight or I've attained a certain level and therefore I don't need to practice anymore or I'm good enough. Because I think once we get in the mindset of I'm go- good enough, um, we're actually hindering our performance and hindering getting better. Um, there's a whole host. We're going to, you know, Riley, you want to keep it very narrowly focused. And, and I think that's good because I'll probably extend this off on tangents the, all night. Um, so we'll, we'll keep it narrowly focused, but these aren't all the skills, right? These would be considered, I guess, the essential skills. Yeah. Uh, dude, you're, you're spot on. And I appreciate you clarifying some contextual things for our conversation today. Well, let me, let me set some of my own context, Matthew. So before we, we kicked off the show today, I, I, uh, I mentioned to you, you know, obviously it's a made up scenario and it's a very simple, probably overly simplified scenario. And I was like, I basically asked you the question, like, Matthew, imagine that you just stepped out, out, you know, side your door, like you went out on the sidewalk in front of your house or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, out of the blue, unexpected and no understanding as to why, because this kind of thing happens too. things that are unexplained and sudden and seemingly completely random happen all the time to people. Um, but you step outside there and all of a sudden you just see this man who screams at you, Uh, you know, profanely and starts rushing at you while he's holding a weapon, or maybe he starts pulling, you know, drawing a gun or whatever the context is, you know, and let's just say he's 20, 30, 40, 50 feet. Honestly, the distance doesn't really matter. Um, The fact is you find yourself in an instant later today or tomorrow, whatever it is, suddenly faced with this event that you never thought would happen. But yet here it is, and you've got seconds. You know, we're talking two, three, four, maybe five seconds tops to recognize, 
make the decision that, oh, it's going down, grab gun, put on target, put rounds on target, okay? That's kind of the, the way I set it up with you as we were conversing. And like, to me, that that scenario, again, probably overly simplified, but but there's probably situations like that, you know, that, that do, ha- do occur uh, similar to that. Um, and I basically was like, hey, bro, what are the core foundational skills? Like, what's the most basic level stuff you've got to be able to do to prevail in even the most, the simplest imagined, you know, self-defense situation. Like, you know, that, that's basically what that is. In fact, you want to make it real simple. Let's make it real simple. Let's just say you have a, a guy at 30 feet, 10 yards, maybe it's 21 feet. I don't know. I don't care. Again, the distance isn't that critical. You've got a man standing there, makes threats to you, begins drawing a gun. And let's just throw out all excess variables and say, let's just say he's standing there getting ready to deliver rounds in your direction. And you're going to do the same. Okay? You have a limited amount of time. Get your gun on target and press the trigger. And there's no guarantee he won't hit you, right? He might. He might not. You might be able to get rounds on target before he gets rounds on target. Um, and that doesn't, keep in mind, that doesn't mean that that you shoot first. That just means that you might get rounds on him before he gets rounds on you, meaning it's entirely possible that a round or two misses you. Okay. At the same time, maybe your skill is not what it should be. Maybe you're not paying attention to the things you need to be paying attention to in the moment. Maybe you overreact as far as you, 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 you rush yourself and you rush the process and you try to rely on things like point shooting when maybe something uh, a little more refined in terms of achieving a sight picture is required. And point is you could also miss shots on him, right? All right. So the most simple, simple, the simplest of, of circumstances it's like a duel. Two men facing off. Let's just say it's 21 feet. It's going down. But he's the instigator. So we're in a defensive context. So we've got to respond with our own use of force, right? What is required? It good hits on a human threat in a, in a context like that. Like, I don't know. I'm going to throw it. You obviously have an idea where where my mind is at because we had some conversation before this, but yeah, I just want, I want to hear from you. Like, what do you think is absolutely essential for you to expect to prevail in a situation like that? Yeah. So I think what you kind of hit on was at first we need to be able to visualize the threat before we can even start um, coming up with a plan. Right. So we visualize the threat Um, And part of that visualization involves presenting the firearm. Like you said, like, sure, there are instances where we're probably point shooting might might win the day. Um, But a a, a skill that we need to be able to 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 have, um, even if we don't need it, 
in in one situation, but is crucial is the ability to not only pick up the information of the threat, but in include our sights or our firearm in that equation um, so we can properly target the threat, whether that's you know, understanding the distance that you are and, and, and kind of knowing I need to use my sights at this distance or at this precision level versus I'm in close, but it all, it's very visual. We have to start with, with the visual, I think, before we start to, 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 uh, to formulate what we're going to do, even getting the gun out at that point. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so you're not wrong in this at all. Um, Obviously, we have to, like, this is sort of like touching on the whole Udo thing, you know, as far as you got to observe, right? Like, you you can't make decisions about something you're not aware is, is taking place or occurring. So, you obviously have to be able to recognize a threat, see that threat, understand what's taking place um, as part of that orient process, right? And, and start considering options, okay, decide. This or that or this is the thing. You know? So, like, what what is the solution for the current situation I find myself in? Um, so, you're absolutely correct about that, um, and, and that's important. I'm thinking even more basic in terms of the the problem, like the the solving the the shooting problem itself. Like, mm-hmm. what is the shooting problem? Well, the shooting problem is again. Let's let's be specific. So. Let's just say it's the seven yards, 21 feet, it's a very common distance that people use and a lot of drills that are based off of that. And people shoot at that distance at the range all the time. Seven yards, you want to put rounds in high center mass, right? Ideally right in the heart area, in the heart region. Um, what are you using for a target? You could be using a USPSA A-zone, six inches wide by 11 inches tall. You could be using an eight-inch circle, you know, like an IDPA target, down zero zone. You could be using something a little bit more um, precise than that, a three-by-five card, a, uh, the, the black part of a NRAB-8 target, which is a five-and-a-half-inch um, diameter circle, uh, your, your nine ring on a B-8 target, um, whatever you think your standard should be. I mean... The better standard is the better standard, meaning that my heart, right, is like the size of my fist here in the high center, slightly left side of my chest, a little bit of an aorta stick. You know, we got a little bit else to work with there that kind of sits above the heart, rides above the heart. Um, Honestly, Dave Spaulding's approach of using a three by five card turned vertically is pretty representational of what we want to be able to hit if we're going to get good hits on a heart size target. Um, at, at a distance like that, I don't really care. Um, you decide what you think your standard needs to be, but in terms of just talking about what does it take to stand there and draw, and let's just say deliver two rounds to that hit zone. All right. So in other words, the standard is drawing our gun, getting it on target and putting two rounds where it precisely where I want them. What did that take? Yes, can be skills. Yeah, man. Turn oh. it back to you. This is a discussion, bro. Yeah. So what, <laughs> what is it? What does it take to deliver 
two accurately placed rounds. You need to be able to grip the gun effectively to manage the inevitable recoil that's going to happen. And you have to be able to, uh, if, if you want to shoot quickly, you need to understand how the trigger works and how to cycle the trigger and take in the visual information of your sight. So when that when that sight picture or however you're sighting, whatever sight system you're using uh, is an appropriate position on the threat that your triggers prepped and ready to go and you're firing off another shot, be able to to manage that recoil and kind of take in the stimulus or the, the visual stimulus that's going on so you can uh, assess what's going on, whether your hits are effective or whether, you know, you're missing. Um, so I think it starts with grip uh, is, is huge because if you can't grip the gun and kind of aim it in the right spot, even if whether you're using sights or not, if you can't grip it and control it as it goes through this, the, 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 the cycle of operations, then, um, you know, you're pretty much you're, you're, you're doomed because you won't be able to uh, fire quick uh, follow up shots that are accurate. Yeah, there's a lot of verbiage to say the following. Grip the gun, hold it on target while you press the trigger without moving it. Mm -hmm. Like like that, that's, you know, in, in going back to what has now become a relatively well-known or famous video uh, from uh, Rob Latham on the Funker Tactical channel um and tim heron and i even kind of alluded or touched on this last week in the what i did with him the uh rob's point in that video was that if until you can grip the gun firmly or at least hold it in place right and press the trigger without moving the gun significantly you know off target then nothing else matters that's why the title of that video is aiming is useless aiming is useless when you can't do that when you can't grip when you can't hold the gun on target while you press the trigger right because and this is why people get so frustrated when they're trying to learn how to shoot right they're, they're they they see their sights on target and they press the trigger and the round doesn't go where they were looking and they're like, what's up with that? And what am I doing wrong? We could get into the nitty gritty of what specifically is occurring, you know, like what's moving, what's causing it to move. And there's a lot of different um, opinions and, and philosophies and, and doctrines about what that might be. But what I appreciate about, about a shooter and an instructor like Rob Latham is he boils everything down to its most basic nature and basically you know, if you're in his class this this he'll ask questions like this all the time where it's like uh so you, where were you aiming oh up here but where'd you round go down there how did it end up there why did it go there uh i anticipated i clenched or flinched I, you know like you're thinking through your head like all these different things it could be. You're thinking of that stupid pie chart that has all the different <laughs> diagnosis things all the way around it. You're thinking about all that, and it's like, no, like you moved the gun there. You moved it off target when you pressed the trigger. Now we can dig in and try to figure out why you moved, but 
really the biggest thing that most shooters struggle with is just holding the gun still relatively, right? We all have a little bit of wobble, right? Um, but just holding the gun still and pressing the trigger. Like that's the biggest issue shooters have. And until you master that basic concept, nothing else matters. We could talk about, in, in other words, putting in the context of this imaginary gunfight we, we talked about a moment ago, seven yards, two guys opposing each other, uh, simple, you know, straightforward situation. Uh, if you can't hold the gun still while you press the trigger, as you're aiming that onto the chest of your adversary, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you take a sidestep on your draw. It doesn't matter if you try to do this while moving because you're trying to incorporate moving because you recognize it seven yards. That's a little close for comfort. I'm going to try to increase distance or make myself a little more difficult target to hit. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're trying to use cover. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a vehicle. Like nothing else matters because if you continue messing up the process of firing the shot, then you're just giving the your opponent more opportunities and more time until they solve the problem for themselves and hurt and get you. See what I'm getting at? So like nothing else matters than me being able to put rounds as early as I can in the gunfight exactly where I want them, which is on my, you know, the middle of the center of mass of my opposing threat. That's all that matters. And there's a really basic process to doing that, which is what we just talked about, right? Yes, I know there's all this other stuff. And we're going to talk about some more, some more of what those essential shooting skills are. Uh, in fact, this is the point where I hand it off to you, Matthew, and you're welcome to add to or take away from what I just talked about, but but I'd also like to hear from you, like, wh what else do you think would be relevant for, like, this is, again, this is the episode we're talking about, required shooting skills for concealed carriers. Yeah, um, I. so I guess if I were to take, let's say we're talking to a student, I had, you know, half an hour to talk to them and say, hey, these are the essential skills. Uh, I'd probably go and say, once you can grip the gun appropriately, you can put it, point it where you want, pick up your sights, however you do it, um, squeeze the trigger, keep the, the rounds relative. And, and I think accuracy and, and how much you do of this is relative to the, the, the context of the situation, of course, right? Um, how accurate you have to be in, in, in all this. But once you have an understanding and you can do that consistently, um, I think that we have to look at, um, you know, you can you can put multiple shots on a single target uh, quickly. Um, what about potential of um, multiple targets, transition, target transition? Because it may not necessarily be uh, a transition doesn't necessarily need to be a transition from a target to another separate target. It could be transitioning as that target is moving right? That threat is moving or as you're moving. So if we work on transitions, it's kind of, I think it, it helps us in two ways. One, transition from a target to another separate target, but also um, be able to track targets and move uh, the gun through space and still have a relationship of where the, where the target is. So I, I would say working on some sort of transition uh, would be uh, definitely beneficial. Yeah. So you're, you're just going down that road of like what else comes 
you know, I mean, you're, you're sort of putting ourselves in the position of, of what are some of the real life gunfights that we, that we, that we have seen, you know, mm-hmm. stuff we've seen captured on camera, surveillance video, um, stories people have told, whatever, right? And, then, and the fact of the matter is, the reality is, is that very rarely is uh, is a gunfight static, right? Uh, in fact, almost never, if if ever. So, so the point is, is that things are moving, people are moving, people are dying, dodging, and twisting, turning, and running, right? Um, as as this fight is taking place, that's what people do. Uh, trying to avoid getting hit, we're trying to avoid getting hurt, uh, trying to position ourselves where we can dole out the pain and hurt on the other person because that's the way we put the fight to an end. And so um, you're, you're, you're exactly right in that things like a, like a transition, and I've talked about this before, and I, I, I really, truly believe in this. I mean, it's really cool if you can train on a target system that has like a running man you know, target setup where like a target can, you know, be moved back and forth, uh, you know, from your left to your right and vice versa and stuff like that. Um, or, or for like, I've even seen some really, really high end stuff that can do all kinds of, uh, fancy stuff, uh, you know, really expensive, you know, multi-million dollar, uh, shooting ranges, but most people don't have access to that kind of stuff. And, and the reality is, you don't even need that to, to learn the relevant skills necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, practicing transitions between multiple targets is, is basically what it's like shooting a moving target. Because although the most realistic thing we can do is where we have multiple targets set up and we, and we focus on just putting one round on each. Okay, with the transitions in between, because that that's very very similar to, uh, and, and as long as you can do that while with the gun moving as little as possible, that's going to be very similar to the test you'll be faced with with a moving target in the real world. Meaning that you're tracking, you're tracking, you see your sights on target, you press trigger, and you're moving on to the next target, and you're repeating that process again. That's that's the beginning. That's the basis of learning how to acquire multiple targets. And every time you acquire a site picture on a moving target, that's what it is. Here's a site acquisition. Here's a site or a site picture. Here's a site picture. Here's a site picture here. You know, so that's what you're dealing with. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit and, and say that, um, that you're right. Uh, and you, and you talked a little bit about vision too. Um, here's what I would say. So after a person has figured out how to grip a gun and not move the gun while I press the trigger. And by the way, one of the things you, you, that I find helps people in learning how to do that is actually by removing the vision piece to some degree. And by that, I mean, don't worry about the aiming. In fact, I've worked with students where I've just had them shoot into the berm. I'm like, just shoot into the burn behind the targets. In other words, you don't care what you're actually aiming at. What you're focused on is just holding the gun still as you work the trigger. And when we take the target away and we take, you know, this whole idea of trying to focus on, you know, very finite things and see everything in alignment and trying to hold it there and press the trigger, that's sometimes, for a lot of shooters, that's what sets them up 
for that anticipatory type flinch because there's this anxiety that builds up that you're, you're trying to get things lined up. You're trying to aim and you're like, Oh, there it is. Send it now mm-hmm. in the process of trying, like by the time the vision, you know, of seeing sight, you know, say rear sight, front sight target and everything lined up the way you want it. By the time that visual image gets to your brain processing center and makes a decision, yep, now it's time and sends a signal down to the trigger finger to go, press trigger, uh, things have already moved again, right? And, and so in that time frame, either your gun has moved off target by the time you press the trigger or the anxiety and that, that, that sudden like, oh, it's good, go now. A lot of times that creates this tension and this pressure, which translates into our hands and our arms and our fingers. And we go snatch. And down and left, that shot goes, as is common for a lot of shooters. So just removing the vision piece, not being concerned about the aiming so much, and just focusing on holding things steady as you press the trigger, that fixes a lot of issues for a lot of shooters from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But now we got to bring that vision piece back in. We do, we've got to aim the gun, right? That That is, so talking about required shooting skills, Matthew, grip trigger without moving the grip and now we got to aim that thing where we want it mm-hmm. right? and that's not that's not rocket science that's you know if you got front sight rear sight well you should have the idea that you know equal height equal light put that on target you know it's not rocket science we can you can go back and even listen to the episode i did with charlie perez uh, a while back about we really got into some of the vision piece and sights and focus and all that um, but in terms of just aligning things and putting on target, press and trigger, like it's not rocket science or you have a red dot and you just put dot on target and press trigger, right? E- easy to go. Or it, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah. Simple. Maybe not always easy. That's, that's the distinction that, uh, guys like Rob Latham make. And it's a very true statement. Shooting is simple. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? Because we are our own worst enemies, But anyways, so we bring the vision piece back in and the thing I'm starting to believe is a much more relevant skill than what um, I used to think and what I think a lot of defensive shooters and trainers particularly, because I don't hear this talked about a lot in uh, defensive training context. And that is the idea of um, having a level of awareness, okay, primarily visually meaning that you're you're observing sites target in the situation at a, at a at a place where um you see everything that has its occurring and you recognize it for what it is and that's sort of like the beginning process for learning how to call shots now we can debate this because you could you, you could totally be like Riley we bro you're getting way off you know, you're off the rails here. What are we, why are we talking about shot calling with something like, you know, a more entry level concealed carry, type, you know, student shooter? Um, like that's, isn't that an advanced skill? And I would say it, it, it kind of is because we do need some, some things to happen with some level of automaticity, right? Like, we can't be thinking so much about what I'm doing with my grip and what I'm doing with my trigger finger. What am I doing with the sights? And we can't be really thinking about that 
um, you know, very consciously those things to then be able to see things at a level where we can start calling shots, but we need there to be some subconscious competence to the performance of grab gun, hold steady, press trigger. But my goal is to get shooters to this level of visual awareness in calling shots much earlier in their development as a shooter because it's super critical, I think, to like the end goal is threat and I, I need to put rounds on that target, that threat target. Um, everything is just theory. Unless I get some kind of feedback loop that tells you know where that tells me exactly you know that what I'm doing is working, mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise it's just theory. If you are putting sights on target and you see them there and you push the trigger and you're like, well, I, I think the bullet went there, you know, I saw my sights here and I pressed the trigger. And I'm pretty sure that's where my round should have gone. But yet we still find shooters that are surprised by the results, both good and bad. They're like, oh, wow, that's better than I thought. I thought it was all over the place. And you have other shooters that are like, I thought my aim was on point. I thought everything was good. And look at my group. It's all over the place. Right? So it's all just theory until you have certainty where your rounds are actually impacting. And the way you develop that knowledge of where your rounds are going is by that instantaneous visual feedback through your sighting system that says, this is where it was at the precise moment that I pressed the trigger and it went bang. Yeah. And, and you there, that's, that's a bit, that takes a little bit of work. No. And I, and I think I, you know, you said, well, maybe it's too, you know, much of a higher skill level. I, I don't, like I, I can see, I can see the argument for, you know, saying that, but I think it's fundamental. The fact that, you know, in a self-defense, remember, we're talking about a self-defense context. You're not going to have a steel plate that rings. You're not going to see a hole, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have blood squirting out and say, oh, that was a center mass hit. You, there's so much visual uh, stimulus that you're taking an auditory that you're not going to be able to say, okay, well, I need to adjust and shoot two inches to the right because that was over here. I think being able to call your shots in a, in a, on the range in an understanding of how your sights look compared to where the round impacts then allows you to, if you need to use your, your, your firearm in a self-defense context, right. Um, and you're not getting that an instantaneous, you know, black spot on the guy's white shirt or what it might be. How are you getting feedback? Well, you're looking and seeing, are my shots having any sort of effect on this person? How do you do that? Well, are they starting to stop their attack? Are they starting to recoil in pain, you know, cover up certain parts of their body? Um, and so I think being able to have some context, right, of or being able to have some understanding of how do my sights look when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not being attacked and where does it where do the rounds go when I'm squeezing the trigger this way? I'm shooting this quickly. Where are they going? Um, gives you the ability to say, when I don't see those holes and I'm just seeing a reaction, um, 
that confidence that yes, I am making, you know, I am getting my hits, even though I don't see them because, you know, you've had that positive reinforcement on the range. And I think that's one of the good things about shooting steel and things like that, that you get positive reinforcement. Cause I think sometimes when we're shooting, um, we focus on the misses and the bad ones and we focus on how did it, how, I, I must've been, uh, anticipating or overreacting or squeezing or whatever it might be. And then we don't take the time to stop and say, wow, I just got a good hit. What did that feel like when I squeezed the trigger that time? And what did I see that time and build those kind of, uh, visions in your, in, in your mind. So, so that's kind of like what your, your go-to is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, we do have to be careful with steel targets because they, they can create laziness, right? Right. Um, but, but I get what you're saying. And, And I would say, um, that at one time I was definitely where you're at, what you're describing to me. But I would say that the the change in, in in training mindset that's occurred within me is that I get the the thrill, if you will, from instant feedback when I know I am uh, that I'm that I'm calling shots. Like, mm-hmm. in other words, and by that, what I mean is when I know I'm seeing everything that I need to see that's relevant to the operation and the shooting of the gun that tells me that my rounds are going where I intend them to go. Like in that instant, regardless if I got a ping on steel or saw a hole on paper in that precise moment, I go, yes, I, that like, it is so, it is such an awesome feeling when you, when you first experience that that idea of shot calling. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think how to, like, I remember the first time this occurred for me and I was so excited because it was like, holy crap. Like my whole world opened up because it was like, whoa, like it, the confidence level, you can't even imagine it. Confidence level goes from like level zero to a hundred, you know, just like that, because you're like, because again, everything up to that point was theory. I'm doing everything I know I'm supposed to do. And that tells me it should work. But that moment that you see it work in that instant is like, whole. It, it is so powerful. It is life changing in terms of your shooting. Now, again, Required shooting skills for concealed carriers. Um, and I, I, I recognize that there's a lot of other things that we could be talking about. And I recognize that it takes some time and some level of subconscious performance to achieve some of the things we're talking about. But my perspective on shooting performance as it relates to whether it's competition or another high stress event, which is a self-defense situation. This is where I, where I really, really want to get people to be because you are a different shooter when you are in this place that we're describing, meaning you, you, you have all the requisite foundational skills. You, you know, your grip is solid. You know that you are able to, hold things steady as you press that trigger. Your trigger works, not a problem. You know you have no problems 
uh, aiming. In fact, the aiming happens so subconsciously, you don't even think about it. It just happens because you're, all of your mental capacity is on observing what's taking place and you see it happen and you know what the results are before. In fact, here's the, here's the crazy thing, Matthew. You actually, if you're calling your shots, you actually know when it's a good shot before that round actually hits the paper right? Because there's some amount of time between bullet being ignited and thrust down the barrel and exiting that barrel and actually impacting the target. The greater we increase that distance, the more obvious that difference in time is. Uh, but even if it's a, a couple of milliseconds, like I saw it happen in that instant and I, I, I didn't have to look at the paper. I knew in that moment it was good. And that is a huge, huge game changer in your shooting performance. If that's the level that you're at, everything else becomes almost easy in a way. I shouldn't say that, but it, it kind of does. Let, right. let me let me play devil's advocate for one second here. All yeah. right. So uh, what, what if I'm listening and I'm saying, all right, well, I watch a lot of uh, um, videos of shootings and stuff. And the people that are, I see in the videos they're not very well trained. They probably haven't had much training. They look like they're just whipping a gun out and pointing it and, you know, shooting rounds and they're able to save themselves. So, you know, isn't that good enough? Aren't, don't I just need to be able to point shoot, get a couple rounds off, better have like a 45 or something because it only takes one shot and you know what I'm saying? So that's my, you know, um, so what, what would you say to those people? Yeah. Not those people, right? I'm not saying it that way. I'm just saying um, people. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. Because we, we do have to recognize that there are people that get lucky every day uh, in defending themselves. And that's, frankly, that's how I would describe it. They, they, they well, maybe some people don't believe in luck. Mm, let's just say that um, the shooting problems require a lot and they did just enough to prevail that day. Right. That 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 is true. That sometimes happens. Sometimes all it takes is a random round fired. It could be in the direction of the bad guy, but but it doesn't actually hit him. Like it's it could go into the ground for all I know. Mm -hmm. And but that's enough to deter that bad guy, right? It's essentially a warning shot that succeeds in, in stopping the fight. I'm not advocating for warning shots. I'm just saying that. There are definitely fights that the presence of the gun, the gun being drawn out of the holster and they see it and go, oh, crap, I didn't sign up for this today. Um, we're good. See you later. Have a nice day. Right. So. So, yeah, there's there, there's this huge spectrum of potentially deadly force encounters that exists all the way from the most basic encounter where the most. <sighs> The, the simplest sh sign of, 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 of force or, or resistance is all it takes to get that bad guy to go, eh, I'm not, I don't want this fight today. All the way up to the hardened criminal that is intent on hurting you or getting whatever it is that his end goal is. And no matter what you do, he's not like, he, it will require death for him to cease his actions. So, so there's that huge spectrum and all throughout that you have civilian encounters where the most crappy, but basic uh, shooting skills is all it's necessary to 
to stop the fight that day. But at the same time, there's going to be situations where that same level of skill and performance isn't enough. So listen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's such a like a like a pinnacle uh, performance level. You know, you could argue, well, he got he might have got lucky or or God bless that bullet or whatever. You know, like that doesn't even matter. The fact is, is like that's like the pinnacle of lots of people that have the potential of getting hurt. Dude, that's already actively killing people and you fire one bullet and it strikes him exactly in the noggin where it needs to and puts him out for the fight instantly. Like, yes, exactly. So um, it's hard to draw the line at what is good enough, Mm -hmm. but I was reminded Matthew from the podcast episode I did with uh, Carl Wren, who authored the book uh, strategies and standards for defensive handgun training. Um, which uh, I don't always agree with everything that Carl says or his, his, his approach on everything, but this book is a really interesting book. And, and he, he, the way he talks about some of these drills and standards is, is really quite an interesting concept. But he also pulls from this a chart from a guy named John Hearn, who if John Hearn happens to be in the sound of my voice, I'd like to have you on the podcast. I, I plan on reaching out to John and I don't know John. I know of John and know of his work. And it's probably about time we get him on the podcast. But John Hearn did this chart called Typical Performance and Automaticity Speculation. And the idea is, at least how I see it, is the measure of your level, like the level of your um, automaticity, okay, or subconscious, like your ability to perform uh, something like how automatic you're able to do that is a predictor of what you'll be able to do under stress, right? How well you'll be able to perform because it's true in a lot of other areas of life. Um, your ability to be a good driver, a good defensive driver, one that's able to avoid things um, all like we could predict that based on, we could analyze your driving performance and how, subconsciously competent you are in your driving skill and predict Matthew is probably going to be able to avoid, you know, this little girl running out into the street as, as he's coming down the, down the street, you know, uh, because he'll see her recognize her and instantly apply the things he needs to do to stop or avoid her. Um, you know, cause if you're, the point is, is if you, if you are not able to shoot at a level where or if you are still shooting at a level where you have to think about all these little things, grip, my trigger, um, how I'm holding my upper body or my arms or my stance, or, you know, like if you have to think about all these things, then that would be a pretty good indicator that you would struggle a little more um, during a stressful situation. Right. So anyway, the, back to this chart, it's a really interesting chart because it, um, and again, it's called typical performance and automaticity speculation. And essentially what it does is it's a combination of a bunch of different uh, drills and, and qualifications like, like in the F- FBI qual, um, El Presidente, the uh, uh, federal air marshals um, uh, qualification, uh, things like the casino drill that uh, is uh, um, pretty popular. You know, uh, Tom Gibbons over at Rangemaster came up with that. Uh, 
that has USPSA classifications, you know, DCBA, Master GM, um, and also IDPA classifications like master and expert and so forth. And it kind of ranks all these things. And, and the idea here, and John's just a really smart guy. And so he spent a lot of time studying this and kind of put together this, this spectrum, um, this matrix, if you will, of how does all of this compare? And then let's try to figure out what skill level suggests automaticity? You know, the ability to automatically perform complex skills. Shooting a gun is complex. There's a lot going on, right? So based on this, um, what I would suggest actually is right in the middle of this chart. I'm going to hold it up for the screen. I know those of you listening can't see this, but here's the chart right here. Um, the 50% mark of that chart right down the middle is USPSA B class. It's just a little bit below IDPA expert. I'd suggest, I'd, I'd posit the theory that if you can perform at that level, USPSA B class shooter, IDPA expert, uh, what is that also equivalent to? Um, that's a passing score on the Federal Air, Federal Air Marshal's qualification. That's a 240 on the FBI bullseye qualification. Um, that's a three-second build drill. That's a about a seven-and-a-half-second fast test. Okay, Some of you guys might not be familiar with everything I just mentioned there, but I'd say that, according to this, it suggests that you are performing at some level. You have auto, some auto, automaticity in terms of your level of performance. Okay, so why is that relevant? If you have performance automaticity in a certain skill, then that is an indicator that you have cognitive function available for other stuff. That other stuff is analyzing the fight that's taking place and solving the problem. And the shooting happens more or less automatically. That I think is the distinction, Matthew. I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, you're a more devil's advocate if you have it. But no, that, I, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I totally agree because what I, what I, and this is what the reason why I asked you that question earlier is because I get a lot of that those questions from concealed carriers like, oh well, you know, how good do I have to be? And I'm like, well, you know, and they'll they'll cite those people that you know, they, they don't have training, they save them the, the day. Right. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I sort of break it down and I don't have all the, all the uh, same vocabulary words that you do, but um, in my, <laughs> in my explanation, I think um, how I explain it is, is that um, we can do more if we can automate those basic skills that we were just talking about, we can do more and we can, that allows us to basically do it better, have a higher probability of surviving or have a lower probability of missing and injuring somebody else or putting somebody else in, in harm's way through our actions. So, and, and we have a higher probability of making the right calls as far as when to shoot, when not to shoot, how many rounds to shoot. And so we just do it better. So we give ourselves a better chance when, we can focus on those variables that we can't control and we leave, we kind of automatize or 
get those other skills to a point where they're at an acceptable level. Um, and I don't want to say good enough, but an, a level where they are, they do have some automation. So our brains, because if you, if you know, I'm sure you do the same thing. You tell a students at a concealed carrier, brand new students, and you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, wow, that's a lot, a lot to take in. Okay, well, now we're going to talk about what if the guy's moving? What if you're moving? What if he, there's two? And they're like, wow, how do you, how do you check your backdrop when I'm so concerned about, you know, my stance? And so it's just information overload. And I think we can do it better. Like, you know, if we can automate those things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, that's the point. Thank you. I appreciate your, your perspective. On that <laughs> as well. Um, again, when we talk about shooting skills, there's a lot more we could get into, right? There's a lot of, so like it's implied and we touched on it. Draw, mm -hmm. draw your gun. Like, because frankly, okay, to, to, to my point, my earlier point, I said, nothing else matters if you hold the gun still and press the trigger. Well, also nothing else matters if you can't get the gun out of the holster in the first place, mm -hmm. right? So, so obviously draw is absolutely a critical skill. If that doesn't happen at a level of automaticity, right? If, that, if, if, if you haven't put in thousands of repetitions of practicing your draw, you're probably not there yet, to be frank with you, okay? It's something I still continue to work on, and I think it's a very quickly perishable skill. It perishes, I think, faster than just about anything that I do is my ability particularly to draw uh, at speed from concealment because there's just so much coordination that's going on, right? Getting my shirt and jacket or whatever out of the way, getting my hand to the gun you know, repeatedly was a good index on the grip, you know, all of that, like there's just so much going on. It takes a lot of practice, I think, to maintain it at a high level. Um, now, I know that I perform at a, at a, at a good level, no matter what, because I believe statistics would show that if you can draw and put an accurate hit on target in 1.5 seconds or less, you're in pretty good shape. There's some problems you can't solve with a 1.5 second draw, but there's a but the vast majority of problems you can probably solve with a 1.5 second draw. Okay, I'm constantly striving to keep mine at a at a consistent 0.9 to 1.0 second or faster, but but you know trying to maintain right around just under a second. Like that's really where I want to be. It takes consistent and continuous work to maintain that. So there's weeks I don't dry fire as much. Oh man, I could tell. Okay. The point is, is uh, that it, it takes work. Um, all these things do, but draw and, and yeah, it, it absolutely does. So let me, let me just, we're kind of, you know, running out of time, but um, I want to propose to you. I want to kind of get your take on this stuff, Matthew. And I'd like to hear from you if you think this is if these standards are reasonable or not, or if they're good measures of shooting performance and ability. Um, and, and and if you think that they're, that they're reasonable based on, you know, like we're we're talking about competent citizen defenders, right? Not necessarily because you don't you don't necessarily have to be a, a USPSA grandmaster or master class shooter. Even. You don't have to be a top, you know, SWAT 
police officer or special forces soldier or whatever, right? Um, but here, if we talk about shooting skills that are important for concealed carriers, it's important that we then also are able to measure whether we are able to, you know, to actually measure those skills, right? To determine if we're competent or not with those skills. So let me throw out a couple of drills to you. Let's start with the draw. I mentioned one just a moment ago. What do you think about a 1.5 second draw? Uh, and, and let's be more clear. Let's be more clear. Let's say seven yard target, USPSA A zone. That's the standard 1.5 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's per- perfectly doable. And I think if you attain that that level, it shows that you have an understanding uh, of the mechanics that it takes and the coordination and um, in, in an, enough to not have that be this focal point of uh, your shooting. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, I can get the gun out in a, in a second and a half. That means I'm not really thinking it's pretty much automated. Sure. I can refine it and do better, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I assess this. I have the skills um, in the understanding pretty much. Yeah. Let, this. let me also clarify just one thing real quick too, that when I say a 1.5 second draw, I mean like you can do it on demand. A cold. Like cold. Absolutely. Right. Cause that's what you, cause that's what we're talking about, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. get warm up draws when you suddenly are faced with a deadly threat. <laughs> right. so, so if you are going to consistently on demand perform at a 1.5 second draw level, it doesn't mean that you manage to get to a place where you're average in practice is 1.5 seconds it's probably more like your average is closer to 1.25 1.3 okay if i'm being if i'm being frank and honest right because your average is going to have to be better than Mm 1.5 if you're going to with certainty on demand without question always be able to deliver a 1.5 second draw does that make sense yeah. So, so I think that's important. For people to understand, like that's what I'm talking about here, is that your on-demand performance it has to be 1.5 or better, and for it to be on-demand every time, then your average, what you should be seeing in your practice sessions, is 1.3, 1.35. Okay, that that sort of area, right? Because sometimes you fumble things, right, on the draw, and you know, maybe your average draw is a 1.3, but you fumble a little bit, but you're still able to get it out in 1.5, that kind of thing. And also we got to talk about like throwing the variables. You might, you know, in winter time, you might be wearing gloves that may slow that, that may factor in, you know what I mean? So I think uh, getting a baseline, not just like t-shirt perfect day out, you know, um, but also, you know, buttoned up shirt, maybe a little bit more deeper concealment or a yeah. heavy sweater and a jacket or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And keep in mind that all these standards I'm going to run through real quick are, are I'm, I'm implying from concealment or really like these should be your standards from whatever way or method you typically carry. Okay. Uh, which for most of you is concealed. All right. Um, okay. Another standard build drill three seconds. Bill drill shot at seven yards, either on a USPSA A zone or IDPA eight inch, you know, down zero zone. Bill drill from the draw, three seconds. 
What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the builder is probably the best indicator, I think, or the I don't want to say the most realistic because none of the drills are scenarios, but it's probably the most encompassing of the basic skills necessary to point, squeeze the trigger and keep the keep the rounds where you want them to go. Right. Because you're shooting multiple shots. So I think uh, two and a half, three seconds uh, consistently is is performing, you know, uh, is a good, good benchmark to 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 get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and let me give you some an idea of where or at least give the listeners where some of the logic for these times comes from. And my my approach is sort of like what I consider a 75% performance factor. And, and by that, it, it's like you take the your top level shooters and do a 75% performance factor of them. So uh, from concealment, I mean, arguably like a grandmaster shooter in some of these areas are definitely going to be faster than what I suggest. But like in the case of a build drill, the two second sub two second build drill is like your golden standard. And, you know that that your your GM level shooters, your master level shooters, typically as well, are going to have no problem with performing at that level. So you take a seventy five percent factor of that, and that puts you at three seconds. A fifty percent factor is forty. Now, why am I suggesting that? I'm suggesting that because I think these are reasonable times to strive for, and I and I have gr- a great deal of confidence that if you can perform at these. Uh, times that we're mentioning that you are well on your way to being able to perform with a level of subconscious competence or automaticity when you are faced with a stressful event. Okay. So build drill three seconds. Okay. And, and by that, I mean, clean, consistent. All right. You know, draw six rounds all in the, in the A zone or the down zero zone, do it consistently in sub three seconds. That's probably, honestly, that's a stretch for a lot of uh, shooters that I see. Um, But uh, I know it's absolutely doable. Okay. Next one. Um, I'm going to throw out the Gila Hayes 5x5 drill. And and particularly the one that's adapted by Claude Warner and uh, Greg Greg Elfritz. And and the the adaptation is basic. So here's the 5x5 drill. The 5x5 drill is a 5-inch circle placed at five yards and you have five seconds to draw and put five rounds in that five inch circle. And you should be able to do that consistently with, with no misses, do it clean. Okay. Um, If you can do that five times, okay, 25 shots, draw five rounds in a five inch circle in five seconds at five yards and do it five times. That's a, that's a really good indicator that you're a competent shooter. Okay. It's very doable. Um, some shooters will struggle with it for sure, especially doing it five times and doing it clean, but it's very doable. Okay. The time is generous enough to do it. This, it's really an exercise of discipline, you have to have discipline to, to stay on your sites and, and, and just keep, you know, it is just staying in the moment, focused on what you're doing. Um, so I don't know what do you think about that. that this, this doesn't have a scoring factor. I'm suggesting you should be able to do the five by five drill five times clean. Yeah, totally. I mean, distance wise, shot uh, zone wise, what we're targeting, five inch circle. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, I think that 
and again, I just want to preface and or, or qualify that none of these drills are scenarios. So, you know what I mean? Like these are working on specific skills. And I think that if you're, if you do them all, or if you, you work on all of these, you're amassing the skills and getting to a point where you can understand, Hey, maybe I'm good at the bill drill, but I, I really stink at the five by five or vice versa. And so that will, you know, maybe uh, indicate that, Hey, I need to work on these skills a little bit more because I have these kind of, you know, I've got these down pretty well. And, and this is kind of where I'm struggling. Um, I think these drills can expose different things that we can work on to, mm -hmm. to make us more uh, comprehensive uh, shooter. Yeah. And you're spot on. They're, they're just tests. What did I say? I said that these are, these are suggested drills mm -hmm. that we can use to measure our yep. level of shooting competence. Yep. Um, and that's all it is. Okay. But based on these, standards and pretty well proven standards um we can have reasonable confidence a reasonable level of confidence that if you can achieve these levels that we're suggesting then you're generally well prepared to perform in a sticky situation here's another one um the the test drill or the 10 10 10 drill is another name for it this is the Drill that was uh, developed, I believe, by Ken Hackathorn and, and also adapted or, well, I don't know. I, I know that they both kind of give credit for each other, Ken Hackathorn and Larry Vickers. Um, and what it is is uh, 10 yards on a NRA B8 target. Uh, so it's a scored target. You have an X ring, a 10 ring, a 9 ring, an 8 ring. And I think in Larry Vickers' case, if you hit outside the the 8 ring, it's it's that's... No, that's actually, excuse me, that's Bill Blowers. I think Larry Vickers really wants you to get everything, at least in the black. Um, I know Bill Blowers counts anything outside the eight ring. That's a, that's a fail. Like, you, you're done. Like, sorry, bro. Like, it's, you know. Uh, but anyway, so, so 10, 10, 10 drill, 10 shots, 10 seconds on an NRA B8 and score it. And you should be able to shoot a 90 or better. Okay. Excellent is considered 95 or better. I really like to see 95 or better for my shooters, but I would consider you generally competent if you can score and consistently score a 90 or higher on the test. And I, I recommend actually doing this from the holster, which is technically referred to as the advanced test because traditionally the test is shot from like a low ready. Um, but uh, you should, you know, you have plenty of time, 10 seconds, part-time, 10 yards, uh, relatively generous target. Okay. I mean, you can drop five rounds into the eight ring and still get a 90. Okay. So that's the test. What do you think about that one in the scoring standard? Yeah. Good, good scoring, scoring standard. And I think uh, similar to the, the five by five um, it's, it's really like test your discipline and your ability to like control what you're doing, I think. But you know what I mean? Cause we kind of push ourselves and like, Oh, and, and you'll see people like shoot the whole thing in like six seconds. And you're like, dude, you had like almost another 50% of your time. Yeah. Um, so it really is understanding your skills and your ability, I, I think, to a certain point. Understanding yourself. I don't want to get too like. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's another test of discipline for sure. Because mm -hmm. there is that tendency, particularly after you get to about your fourth or fifth shot, you see almost everybody does it where they pick up that pace a little more, a little more, a little more. Um, and some of that's understandable because as you see, 
like as you're going through it, you're like, that was good. That was good. That was good. And like you kind of get this in this uh, uh, this this rhythm and you're just like, well, if that one was good, I can probably do the next one a little bit faster. And you just kind of keep picking up speed. For me, I've actually spent uh, the last couple of times I did the, the test. I actually did everything I could to try to um, get between nine and 10 seconds, which is really hard. Because you, for, for one, you feel like you're going slow, but at the same time, you don't want to blow the part time. Because I consider if you blow the part time, it's a fail. Like you're done. Okay, um, that's just the way I approach it. And, and forcing myself to try to nail that nine to ten second window um, is a really great challenge. And discipline, and just really staying with it and focused on the base fundamentals. You know, again, I hate using that word sometimes, but you know, of, of shooting skill. Um, and so that's a really, really good one. I mean, it obviously feels better when like, well, if I can do, if I can score a 98 or 99 or a hundred and do it in five and a half seconds, that feels even better than doing it in nine and a half seconds. That's true. Um, and there's no, there's no, no harm in like continually to push the uh, speed envelope side of that, as long as you're con- consistently passing the, the uh, test. But, uh, it also can be beneficial to, to try to not go fast as well as I guess kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, one thing that I think the test is really good at showing people, Matthew, is how it goes back to that very basic thing we talked about in the beginning is how good their grip and ability to hold steady as they press the trigger is. Cause if you have a flinch issue with the test, it, 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 it will manifest itself absolutely. Uh, and, and running a student on, on, a, on a drill like the test uh, will tell me a lot about the kind of shooter they, they are. I mean, obviously by observing them, but, you know, as far as what are they doing with their hands and, and their trigger, you know, like looking at it from that level, but even looking at hits on target, it's like it is very diagnosable a lot of times. So, um, that's a favorite of mine. Now, here's another one. The, uh, FBI qual with a score of 90 or better. Okay. Um, that's very doable because the target is quite generous. All right. Uh, any, any, uh, opinions on, on that, Matthew? No, I can't, I, I can't add anything. Is it, is it, it's a good, well-rounded, yep. you know, course of fire. All the different distances, you know, from like three or five all the way back to 25 yards. Um, there's time components, there's draws, there's reloads, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and a little bit of change of, you know, positional shooting at the end uh, from 25, you shoot standing, you shoot kneeling. This is the new FBI call I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. That's the one that, that scores out of hundred points, every shot worth two points, 50 rounds. Uh, you can drop uh, uh, five of those two points piece, still score the 90. And um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I like to see shooters do better than 90 because yeah. I think it's very doable. But if you can score 90 on the F, the new FBI call, that's a pass. And it's a, it's a sign that you're pretty competent. Um, all right. Here's another one. The Bill Wilson five by five drill. I think this one is actually one of the more well-rounded drills. It's comprehensive. It's four stages. It starts off with basically like a build drill kind of approach. So at 10 yards, shot on an IDPA target. So your down zero zone is an eight-inch circle in the high center chest. Um, 
you draw and you fire five rounds from 10 yards. Everything's done from 10 yards, by the way, on the, on the five by five. Um, and it's funny, we have two five by two five by two five by five drills. Um, just the distinction there, the Gila Hayes one, and then this is the Bill Wilson one. Um, Bill Wilson, again, draw five rounds. Okay. And then you record the time. Your second stage is you draw and you fire five rounds, strong hand only. Okay. Or one hand only. Record the time. Your third stage is 10 rounds, and it's like a repeat of stage one, but a reload in the middle. So you draw, you put five rounds on target, you perform a slide lock back reload, and you fire five more rounds. And then your fourth stage is four rounds to the body and one round to the head, which on an IDP target, I think is a four inch circle. Um, although I've run this many times just using a three by five card. It's pretty similar um, using that standard. So that's the Bill Wilson five by five. It's a very well-rounded test. Um, and you take your aggregate time of all those four stages, plus any penalties, dropping them in the down one, you add a second. If you drop them into what is essentially the D zone, but in the case of an IDPA target, it's a down three, you add three seconds. Um, if you can do the Bill Wilson five by five drill in 20 seconds or less, that's really, it's honestly, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would probably still consider 25 seconds or less a sign of competency. Okay. If you, if you can't get it in under 25 seconds, get, get to work, find out where you're struggling the most um, and, and really get to work on it. Any thoughts on, on Bill Wilson five by five? Yeah, I was, I was actually going to say 25 seconds, but that's just because, you know, I'm not as good as a shooter as you, but <laughs> I just say, but like, I, I think 25 is, is respectable. And as long as you're doing it consistently at 25, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that shows a, a good competency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my, my personal goal. Well, my first personal goal is to be able to do it one day in like 12 seconds. Yeah. Uh, the best I've done is, is about 15 and a half, 15, yeah, 15. I've done about 15. Uh, it's been a while since I looked at my, uh, my, my scores on that, but, and that, that's, that's spicy. That is moving. Okay. Um, you got, you know, a reload in there and, and four draws and, uh, you know, right there alone, you have four draws at 10 yards. So those are all for sure. Second draws for me from concealment. Um, so that's four seconds, just in draws, you know, so you, you, it's funny, you can do all the math. You can really kind of start adding up and figuring out, you know, where are my biggest opportunities for improvement? Cause if you're taking two seconds to draw by golly, if you can knock off a half second off of each of your four draws on that drill, that's two seconds. You can chop off right off the bat, right? Now, if you can knock off four seconds, that's four seconds, right? Um, and relate a related drill to that is is uh, I say related um, is the uh, fast test, which is uh, seven yards, three by five card for a head target and an eight inch circle for a body target, designed by Todd Lewis Green. And you draw and you put two rounds in the head, and you reload, uh, slide lock reload, and then you put four rounds into the body. I say it's related to to the uh, Bill Wilson five by five because. To me, it kind of, it, it tests a lot of the same skills. Bill Wilson's a little bit more comprehensive, but uh, but, but they're they're similar. Um, but the 
gold standard with the fast test is being able to do the whole thing in five seconds or less, which is very challenging. Um, the standard I want to see shooters be able to do the fast test at is about 7.5 seconds, which is, I think is very doable. If you think, if you do the math, you can draw, you can take a second and a half to draw to your first shot. Okay. And you can take a half second split even between the first shot and the second shot in the head. And you're going to be sitting right at two seconds. Even if you took two seconds to reload, you'd be at four seconds and you still have three and a half seconds to fire four more shots into a pretty generous target. It's very doable. So, but if you, if you can do it seven and a half or less, you're a pretty competent shooter. Yeah, I would agree. Seven and a half. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, if I recall, he has like a standards where he ranks it out. I'm, I'm I can't remember the exact, but I think you're we're right around seven seven and a half seconds is like the the above average or something. Can't remember. Maybe I should look. At uh, it. Yeah, that's actually a good question. Uh, it's been a while since I look at that part, but um, uh, while I'm considering that i want to pull out <laughs> one uh wild card drill it's a newer drill which is why it's not as well established as these others that we've some of these others we've mentioned but it's a very good drill and i've got to give my man props and that is scott jedlinski with his black belt standards and now let me explain what those are really quick uh you you start at three yards and you put three rounds into the body of a uspsa target Three rounds into the body, and then you put two rounds into the head, okay, at three yards. You go back to seven yards, and it's a one-shot draw. Seven yards, put one round into the body. Go back to, or stay at seven yards and shoot a build drill, okay, six rounds. And then you go back to 25 yards, and you draw and fire one shot from 25. Uh, the, the goal is shooters want that shooters want to achieve is black belt standard, which is the three and two, which is the first one at three yards. You want to be sub two seconds, one shot, draw sub second, uh, build drill sub two seconds and 25 yard, one shot, draw sub 1.5. It's a very challenging standard. There's still only a handful of guys that have done this one in the history, you know, in current history, uh, I think eight or nine. Um, and the, uh, uh, but what I was going to say is if you look at Scott has a chart on his website, and he, so black belt is the standards I just mentioned. Then he lists a brown, a purple, and a blue belt. And so what I would say is if you look at his blue belt standards, he has bill drill there listed at three seconds and a seven-yard one-shot at 1 1.5. Well, that seems to be pretty well in line with what I've been suggesting for a lot of this. If you can achieve the blue belt standard, of Scott Jelinski's black belt standards test. So three seconds at three at the three and two at three yards. That's the three to the body, two to the head. 1.5, one shot draw at seven yards, three second build drill, and a 2.25 second, 25 yard one shot. Then I would could I would also I would use the, the that as a standard to say you're a competent shooter. Absolutely. So we're probably well over time, but uh, I don't know, Matthew, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation with you, although maybe, maybe it's been more one-sided. I don't know. Uh, no, no. But 
I hope this gives our listeners and viewers some, some food for thought as far as um, like, where, where do you want to be performance wise, right? Like what are required shooting skills for concealed carriers and how do we measure our, those shooting skills, our level of competence with those skills in a reasonable fashion that kind of is that, that basis of, I'm doing pretty well, or I've got a lot of work to do. I mean, obviously always getting better and and a little bit faster, a little bit more accurate is always a good thing. And and I don't want you to take the standards that I've mentioned in the last like 10 minutes as get to that level and call it quits and say you're done. Cause I think that would be a terrible attitude to have about it. Um, But I think that, you can probably maybe start focusing on some other things once you know you can achieve these standards we've talked about in today's episode, meaning that maybe you can start branching out a little more into hand-to-hand combatives, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Krav Maga, um, maybe taking some other additional courses in other disciplines, maybe even classes in self-defense law and things of that nature, right? So my point is, it's like, if you're going to carry a gun, you need to be competent in the use of that gun. And the standards I've proposed today, I think, are a pretty good judge or measure of what might be considered competent or not. All right. And it's not that we get to that level and say, cool, I'm USPSA, B class, I'm done, I'm out, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I, I think you keep pushing, okay, and try to get a little bit better. But again, I think it opens up the door to go, okay, I can focus a little less on the gun. And I, these, there's these other skills, these other things I need to work on. And I'm going to dedicate a little more time to those things now as well. Yep. Personal assessment. It helps for personal assessment. Just figure out where you are, where your benchmark is and try to get better over time. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to that point, it doesn't make any sense to like, if you're not actually measuring this stuff and tracking it, you know, like recording it some way, somehow, um, then it's kind of pointless. Right. So like, I've got a notebook that has a bunch of notes in it, but I also have some things that I have stored in uh, my range range tech Bluetooth shot timer app because you can save drills and scores and things in the range tech shot timer app. Uh, I'm working to try to get everything moved over to more of an electronic database of performance. And I'll admit, I haven't always tracked things super precisely, but I always have a pretty, with certain things, I always have a pretty good sense of where I'm at, um, even if I haven't always recorded it um, accurately. But I, I, I can do better, and I am doing better with a lot of that. And Some of that's because it's so easy to save things with the Shot Timer app. So... Anyway, we got to wrap it up. Matthew, you're like, oh, man, got to get <laughs> gotta get to bed. I'm not that old man, but. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words, brother? No. Great, great, uh, great info. I hope, I hope uh, or I know a lot of people got a lot out of, out of what you're talking about. So great episode. Yeah. You know, I appreciate comments like what Dale says here on Facebook. Good stuff. I've got a lot of work to do. Uh, Dale, I'm, I'm glad you recognize that. And I will say this much. You can absolutely do it. Put in the put in the time, put in the work, and you will see improvement. So get after it, buddy. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, don't forget, we have our 2021 Guardian Conference this year. 
in September in Oklahoma City. Come, train with us for three days. Take our courses and from our, our, our uh, visiting instructors, uh, again, Larry Vickers and Matt Little and Spencer Keepers and Chuck Haggard and, um, oh man, you know, Sam Middlebrook's going to be there instructing too. Those of you that are familiar with Sam, you know, he's a guest on our last month's uh, Guardian Nation live broadcast, all that. So um, guys, come, come train with us. Okay. Go sign up at guardianconference.com and you're going to save big on that as well as a bunch of other stuff. If you are a member of Guardian Nation, guardiannation.com is where you go for that. So with that, I'm going to let you all go. Okay. Take care. Have a great rest of your week and great weekend. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.